your future begins by receiving God's unconditional love for you. What if God's leading us to make some changes right now that are going to position us as families and as a church to be a place of hope, to be a light for others? You are unique. God delights in you. He created you just as He wants you to be, and we need you to be you. There's something inside of you that's like, man, I need more, I want more, I wanna take that step. I want my spiritual journey to look different because I've been settling. This place is to be dedicated for the things that we will covenant together and commit together to our Lord. Lord, never let this building become the focus of our ministry. Never. But let you and people be the focus of this be a tool that you use in a mighty way. Good morning. It's so good to be here. This is so much fun. I was just talking to the worship team backstage. Oh my goodness, I see people I know. This is fun doing church right now. I gotta tell you, that last guy got baptized, got saved right here a few minutes ago. God's just amazing, amazing stuff. Um, somebody, somebody just texted me, and I, they're either coming to this service or leaving this service. They were walking across the street, and one of the policemen said, uh, is there something going on in there that we need to know about? Said. Uh, so there's, there's bigger crowds than any time but Easter, I think, and uh, that's kind of fun, kind of fun. Oh, uh, hey, good to have you. Uh, glad you're here. Want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now online or at an off-site campus. We're so glad that you guys are here also. Um, one of the values that we have is to plant life-giving churches in every community on the planet. Uh, two weeks ago, we planted 25 brand new churches. This weekend, we're planting two more. Uh, Freedom Church in Camden, Arkansas. How many of you know they need Jesus in Arkansas? Pipeline Church in Orlando, Florida. If you know anybody there, let's just celebrate. Let's celebrate together. <clears throat> this, this week I spent a, a good part of the week in Birmingham, Alabama. I, I, Monday I did six podcasts, and on Tuesday went to Birmingham, Alabama, and trained church planters for this next season, planting the end of this year, first of next year. I gotta tell you something. There's some incredible people uh, that, that, are, that are planting churches, and it's so exciting, and it's just fun to be a part of it. Now, we're starting a new series called Vintage. In fact, that's the uh, T-shirt. Uh, that's the old logo, yeah, the best logo we've ever had. And uh, that's because I chose it years ago when we started the church. And uh, what, what we're doing is uh, we're revisiting uh, so, some areas where we've been in preparation for where we're going, okay? This series is, uh, is gonna be the last series we do in this room. Uh, we're gonna jump to a new series in the new building, so this'll be it. So how long will this series be? <laughs> we don't know. We have an idea, but we don't know exactly. But uh, so anyway, um, yeah, I'll tell you more about that as I, I leak things occasionally. There are surprises during this series. You might just show up here one day and we have a 
practice service in a whole nother place. And so just be ready. Uh, so I thought I'd show you some pictures as we begin, okay? Here's some old pictures. So this one was uh, in the Charleston Business Review, Tuesday, February 28th, 1989, just shortly after we started. And uh, headline, Mount Pleasant tries to control growth. I know we have some town council members here. How's that working for you, okay? Yeah. See, I'm the only guy in town. I want more people. That's more people need Jesus. Everybody else, stay away after you get your house. Don't come, don't come. Yeah. Whatever. I could talk all about that, but anyway, we won't. Um, this was the first story about this church. How about that mustache, huh? What do you think? Hair, look at their hair, yeah. Um, yeah, Mount Pleasant Church to appeal to everyone. I, that's arrogant. I did not write that, but that's, it says an independent church that caters to the unchurched, which was something new at the time, has opened its doors in Mount Pleasant Theater. Here's an interesting one. This was the first flyer, one of the first flyers that we sent out inviting people to come, okay? Mass mailer, lots of people, 20,000, something like that, we sent out says, catch the vision on April the 3rd. April the 3rd. Circle that date. <clears throat> I didn't say that. On April the 3rd, at 10 a.m., you're invited to join a Seacoast Christian community that used to be what we're called now, Seacoast Church, begins worship services at the Watermark Plaza on Northcutt Boulevard, Mount Pleasant. This was sent out three weeks before we opened, and that's the wrong place. <laughs> we thought we were gonna open there. Whoops, uh, didn't work out, but God worked it out. So instead, we opened at a movie theater, which is now a Volkswagen dealership, and here's the first weekend. There's the preacher and his wife. There's your lead pastor right now. Nice little whatever. Mohawk thing going on. Jason uh, and uh, uh, Jessica and Jenny, and that's the movie theater. So we started in there. Now, let me tell you the foundation for this series. We're gonna revisit some places, but it comes from, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the, kind of the overview of the series. It comes from uh, Genesis chapter 26. Let me tell you what's happening there. It's the story of Isaac moving into leadership. Who was Isaac's father? 31 years, and we don't know who <laughs> Isaac's father was. It was Abraham, okay, Abraham. Abraham is the father of what? The faith, okay? Genesis chapter 25, Abraham dies, and now Isaac is, it's his first step into leadership of God's people. Now, it only includes his family at that particular point, but he's stepping into leadership. He is the fulfillment of the promise from Abraham that God would give him a son and that ultimately would give him a, a, a people. Now, chapter 26 starts like this. Now, there was a famine in the land. That sounds like a John Grisham book, you know, or a first line or whatever. Now, there was a famine in the land. Why is that important? Because the land was the land of Israel, current day Israel, that was promised to Abraham and he's standing on it and uh, it's an arid land, and there's nothing more valuable than water. 
And if there's a famine in the land, it's not good for anybody. If there's a famine in the land, there's no water, there's no food, there will be disease. <clears throat> it's, it's just not a good place. In fact, if you control water, you control life. And if you control water, you get very wealthy, okay? Because it, it's whoever has water wins in this situation. In fact, wins in just about any situation, but wins here. Whoever has water and there's a famine in the land. Look at this. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in, what, why would he go to Egypt? There's water in Egypt, okay? Uh, lots of water, very, very fertile area. So naturally, it's gonna go from Israel, it's gonna go down to Egypt where the water is. God said, don't go. Live in the land where I tell you to live. I'd, I'd love to preach this whole part. I'm not gonna preach, I'm just gonna give you a couple of ideas because I got something else I wanna preach. But, but uh, has anybody been, or lived long enough that you would rather be in a dry place with God than a lush place without him. Amen. Have you been there? And so it's, it's listening to God. And God says, I know there's a famine, but I wanna do something in the dry place for you. And you know what? There's somebody here today, there's probably two or three somebodies that you're in a dry place and you wanna get out as quickly as you can. And here's God's word to you. It's not to everybody, but it's to you. And you know it'll resonate with you. God's saying, I wanna do something extraordinary through you in a dry place. That's God's word for you. And so God says to Isaac, I want you to stay there. And here's what he says. Stay in this land for a while. You're gonna go to Egypt ultimately, but you stay there. And I will be with you and I will bless you. Now, when God blesses you in a dry place, guess who gets glory? God does. God does. He says, for to you and your descendants, I will give all of these lands and will confirm the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. I love this part. Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold. Miracle. That doesn't happen in a famine, right? And it's not up to Isaac, it's not up to the land. God did it. And it's strictly because God blessed him. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines who were in the land at the time envied him. Favor ain't fair and when somebody gets favored, other people are gonna envy, okay? It's just the way it is. So all of the wells, why are wells important? Because water's important. Whoever has a well rules, okay? Whoever has a well wins. All of the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines, who were his enemy, stopped up filling them with earth. And for some of you, there are places of blessing. There are wells of blessing that may even be generational that you have an enemy who wants to stop up the wells. And there's so much there. Let's go on. Then Abimelech, who is the king of the Philistines, said to Isaac, move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and he encamped in the valley of Gerar where he had settled. And Isaac reopened. I want you to see this. Isaac redug. He redug the wells that had been dug in the lifetime of his father, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names that his father had given them. He redug the wells and he gave them names and they're the same names. Why is that important? Because in the Old Testament, 
and New Testament during those times, names were important. They named their kids either for something that was going on at the time or prophetically toward what they believed that God was gonna do in their kids. They named places for purpose and they all have meaning. And these wells had been times when God had visited with Abraham. God had made himself known to Abraham. God had done something good. They put down a well there and there was water of blessing, but the wells were named for the blessing. And now the wells had been stuffed up. And Isaac went and he redug the wells of his father and he renamed them the names of blessing. So what we're gonna do with this series. We're gonna go back over our 31 year history and we're gonna redig some wells. We're gonna stop every week at some place that God blessed us. We're gonna preach old sermons. We're gonna go back and revisit them. We not, might not preach them exactly like we did then, but there was a reason for it. In fact, I'm gonna get at least two cracks during this series. Depending on how long the construction lasts, I may get three, okay? And I know one of the sermons I'm gonna preach, I think it's one of the most influential ones that, that we did during this time because it directed us in a certain direction. But we're gonna go back and we're gonna redig some wells before we go into a new place. And the well that I wanna redig today is a well of expectation. It's a well of expectation. Would you agree with me that in life, most generally, you pretty much get what you're expecting? Would you agree with that? You get pretty much, if you expect something good, it kinda has a way of showing up. If you expect something bad, it has a way of showing up too. I, I read about a, or heard about a newcomer uh, to a town, just moved to town and so he goes to you know, a place of business and the clerk there says, you look new. And he says, I am. And he said, uh, well, I wanna be the first to welcome you to our town. The guy says to the clerk, he says, what are the people like around here? He said, well, what were the people like where you moved from? He said, well, they were friendly, they were warm, they were so good, we hated to leave. The clerk said, you know, you'll find folks just like that here. Then a guy a couple of weeks later comes in and he's new to town and the clerk does the same thing. You look new, he said, I am. I said, I wanna be the first to welcome you to our community. The guy said, what are the people like here? The clerk said, what were they like where you came from? He said, oh, they were cold, they were aloof, they weren't friendly, we were so happy to leave. The clerk said, I've got bad news for you. You're gonna find the same kind of people here. Isn't that true? Because you kind of get what you expect. I know I hear people saying all the time, boy, people from, and they'll label it a certain state, you know, a certain place. They just, they just aren't friendly. And you know what? I've found good folks everywhere. It's just all what you expect. You kind of get what you expect. Jesus said that. In fact, one time he was gonna, he was gonna heal a guy and he asked him, what do you expect? What are you expecting? Because as your faith is, so is it unto you. He kind of just, and then Paul, the apostle Paul, takes it to a whole nother level. And he says, you know what? Not only do you get what you expect, but when you sow it in God, you can get way more than you ever expected. Here's a verse, I don't know if you guys have seen this verse. Ephesians 3:20 and 21. We end every service with it. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna go redig the well where that came from what we're gonna do today. But before we do, I'm gonna take a deep breath, I'm gonna get a, a, a drink and rest, and you're gonna read this out loud together, okay? Can we do it together? Now to him 
So the first time I preached that scripture wasn't here. It was in our previous place of ministry, as a lot of you know, Debbie and I grew up in Denver, Colorado, felt a call of God, went to Northern Illinois to a farming community, small farming community, and um, uh, we had a vision for the community. We had a vision to be a pastor in Northern Illinois. Like Isaac, the weather didn't cooperate. We didn't have, you know, a famine. <laughs> we had too much snow. Um, last week, anybody, anybody noticed last week in Chicago that it was cold? <laughs> yeah, um, in fact, the weather forecasters, went, or they were weather channel something, Debbie and I were watching, and, and they said, it, this is the coldest it's been in a generation. 60 below zero wind chill factor. And Debbie said, yeah, remember when we moved to Northern Illinois, it was that cold? I said, babe, that's bad news. That means that we're another generation, okay? <laughs> we moved there in, in uh, January of, uh, in, end of December of 1970, uh, 77, no, 78, 79. And um, I remember our first, our, our second week there, it was 56 below zero wind chill factor. I remember it well because it was a Sunday. We had to cancel church. And I remember it even better than that because it was my 23rd birthday. 23rd birthday. And it was cold. And it seemed like everybody in the county had low expectations. The economy was bad. The unemployment rate was around 20%, if you can imagine that. The weather was cold. It was gray. Um, I went to my first minister's meeting, and uh, this is where the ministers in the community got together for a breakfast, they're gonna pray together. And I remember one of the guys saying, you're new around here, and I said, yes, I am. He said, what church? A small, small town, everybody knew who the new people were. So what church? And I explained what church, and he said, oh. He said, that's a graveyard for dreams. <laughs> I didn't go back to that meeting. I was as discouraged as I needed to be by myself. I didn't need somebody else to be discouraging me, right? There's a principle there somewhere. You know, it wasn't long until I forgot why I was there. I just wanted to be somewhere else. I found myself caught in a quicksand of discouragement. I had to preach three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Let me tell you something, it's hard to preach faith when you don't have any of yourself. I remember a Friday, I needed to preach on Sunday and I didn't have anything to preach. I called my dad, he knew I was a little discouraged. My dad was a preacher in St. Louis at the time and I said, Dad, do you have any fresh bread that you could loan me? In other words, you got a sermon I could preach. Is there a well, is there a well that I could redig one of my father's wells? And he sent me this scripture and he sent me a sermon about it. And so I, uh, that's the sermon I preached. And as I was digging through our files, this week, that's the sermon I found. In fact, somebody who was watching online in the last service in Illinois was there for that, this sermon, one of about 20 people that were there that weekend. I want you to notice two or three things about this. Number one is uh, the stationary, Bethel Assembly of God, Reverend Edgar Mose. He was the guy that was there before I was. We were so poor, I couldn't have my own stationary. I had to do it on his stationary. Some of you are looking at me like, what is stationary, okay? <laughs> right? Did I get that right? Here's something else. 
God is able to do much more than you expect. I've been preaching that same sermon for 40 years. In fact, I preached this sermon almost exactly 40 years ago today. Just one or two other things I want you to notice. Uh, number one, it, it had the script. Here's the scripture, Genesis 18, 32. That's the, for the first illustration. It's not written on here. Here's what we used to do. Anybody ever in a church like this? We used to look up all the scriptures on our Bibles. And I was 23 years old, and I, I preached nearly the whole Bible that particular week. In fact, uh, I tried to preach the same sermon on Thursday here to a group of our staff. I'm about an hour into it, and I'm like, well, I can't preach that sermon. So let me just say this. You have your outline sheet? It's worthless. I'm not gonna fill in the blanks. I'm only gonna fill in one blank. If some of you can't sleep tonight without the blanks filled in, here's what you do. Go on version. There's a place that says on there, event. Hit event and it'll fill in your blanks for you. Or else go to the Seacoast app, be better yet, and it'll fill in your blank for you because there's no way. I'm gonna take one illustration from the sermon and preach it to you and, and preach it with some contemporary stuff. But I remember back when we used to look them up and here's, here's what would happen. Especially if you were a newbie, invariably you would sit next to somebody that was the Bible drill champ at First Baptist Church <laughs> when they grew up. And the preacher would say, turn to Genesis 12, 18, and they'd go, there it is. And you're over here in the book of Hezekiah somewhere, you know, <laughs> trying to find, where the heck is that, you know? And so what we did, some of you wonder, why don't we do that anymore? Back when God used to bless, we used to do that. Well, we don't do it anymore. And here's why. It's because when we started Seacoast, we started it to bring people who didn't normally come to church. We had, in Illinois, we are all, man, we were all church people. And so we brought new, new folks in. I said, you know what? I watched that happening. I said, we're gonna make the ground level, okay? We're gonna make the ground level for everybody. Some of you are going, well, I wish we were back like we were. Well, fooey on you. We're not going there, all right? <laughs> I love you, but get a better attitude. All right, so, so anyway, so we're not gonna preach this whole sermon. But what I, what I do wanna do is I just wanna ask you, um, what are you expecting from God? God is able to do what? Abundantly more. Infinitely more in some versions. So what are you expecting from God? Here's the first blank. Perhaps you expected too little. I'm not gonna preach that. How about this one? God wants to raise your expectations. Let's go there. God wants to raise your expectations. Is it just me or is the expectation expectation level rising around here. It's amazing. I mean, I mean this, this weekend, all the services so far, Saturday night, all the Sunday morning services, people have come into me in the green room and said, "Is man, it's buzzing out there. <laughs> There's an expectation level. God visited us two and a half weeks ago on a Wednesday night here. How many of you were part of that service? Anybody here? Several of you were. The most amazing thing I've ever been a part of in my life, I've been in this 40 years. Uh, over the past two weeks, I've been able to meet with some of my pastor friends, call others. These are people that some of you would know their names. Uh, one of them has a big television show I talked to last week. And none of them have ever heard of anything like what happened on that, that one. We had over 200 people healed, experienced healing. This is stuff like... Uh, 
terminal cancer that went back to the doctor twice since then. Nothing, zero, there's nothing. We're talking terminal, terminal cancer, nothing. And all kinds of things, all kinds of things. It's unbelievable. Uh, a lady came up to me after the Saturday night service and said, uh, uh, said uh, I'm number 201. <laughs> and just sweet, sweet little lady. And she said, I didn't tell anybody here. I've told everybody at work. <laughs> I said, well, tell me. And she said, uh, she had a, a pinched nerve and, uh, uh, in her neck in two years, it's caused problems. And she said, it's gone just like that. I think I slept on my head wrong. And I said, pray for me, please, would you? <laughs> I did, I said, pray for me. I'd like a little bit of that. Uh, had, had another lady come after the early service here out in the hallway and she, sweet, sweet. She, she had two little kids. Her husband was over picking one of them up. Maybe they have three kids, I don't know. But anyway, she, she starts telling me her story. She said, you know, I was healed. I said, well, what was it? And she said, insomnia. She said, I, I haven't slept well in years. She said, I take every kind of medication, just cannot sleep well. I came to the service, did not even go up front, and I started to yawn. And she said, I felt terrible because I'm interested in what's going on and I'm yawning. And she said, I, w I went home and I've slept every night. And her husband came over, testified to it. She's crying. And I think the Lord spoke to me that there's some, some folks in these services that you're dealing with the same thing and God wants to heal you. In fact, you're feeling it right now because it's something that's on your mind and you can't believe that that's what I'm talking about. Take your healing. God wants that for you. There's a level of expectation. Every service that we've had since that Wednesday, somebody has been healed. There's a level of expectation. So I have a couple of questions about that. It, this is kind of funny. We don't know what to do with this. I mean, here's what we're doing as pastors. We're calling everybody we know that said they were healed, especially if they're friends of ours, and we're saying, are you still okay? Because <laughs> I grew up with, sometimes it was real, and sometimes it was like, it was the exciting, excitement of the moment. And that's okay. In any revival setting, somebody told me this week I was asking somebody, they said, there's about 70% God, 20% flesh, and 10% the devil. So it's, it's gonna be there, don't worry about it. And uh, don't get scared about the devil, that's manifestations and we deal with them. But, but, but we're going, are you still healed? Is this real? There's a level of expectation. So here's, here's the questions I have. Um, are there levels of expectation? Are there levels of faith? You know, all, expect, all faith is, is expecting God to do something. Are there levels of faith? And if there are, how do you go from one level to another? And let me use this story that was in the outline. And it's the story of Caleb. Uh, just to set it up real quick, Caleb was, uh, was a leader in Israel. Um, Moses leads him out of Egypt, up to the promised land. A lot of you know the story. <clears throat> Sends in 12 spies to not to tell them whether they ought to go in or not. God had already told them to take the land. But he, 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 Moses sent him in to say, what's the best strategy to take the land? What's the best strategy? And so they go in and 10 of them come back with a bad report. They say, boy, there's some big people there. There's some giants, there's some fortified cities. And, and you know what, we look like grasshoppers in our eyes and we know we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. You know, when, when, you, get, when you get afraid of something, you start exaggerating and you start projecting your fear on somebody else, or you start projecting your insecurities on somebody else. That's real hard to do, because the rest of the story, I don't have time to preach that. We know 
that what the other people thought about them, and it wasn't that they were grasshoppers, they were afraid that they were coming. They'd heard about the glory of God. And sometimes your enemies, and that's not people, but your enemy is afraid of what you're gonna take, the ground you're gonna take, and you think that it's just the opposite. So 10 spies said, we can't do it. Two spies said we could, uh, Joshua and Caleb. And so the children of Israel had to march around for 40 years till everybody died, except for those who had faith. Joshua and Caleb are the only leaders that are left. And now they're in the land, and Caleb goes up to Joshua, and he says, now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. Well, Israel moved about in the wilderness, so here I am today, 85 years old, I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. He's delusional, okay, but... The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? So at 85 years old, is it better to, to think you're as strong as 40 or that you're way over the hill? It's better to think that. So I'm gonna take a new mountain. So he says, he says uh, I'm, I'm just as vigorous to go out and battle now as I was then. Give me this hill, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the, the Anakites, which are giants, were there and their cities are large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, say that together, the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. So in that statement, there are at least three of four kind of levels of faith that we see. Um, yeah, that's good, but I'm not gonna talk about that. Oh, let me just say this, where are we at? Oh, I'll, I will talk about this, it's fun. So, before we talk about levels of faith, newsflash, there are giants between you and your destiny, I don't care what it is. Whether it's your family destiny, your personal destiny, your political destiny, your spiritual destiny, whatever it is, there are giants between you and your destiny. Has anybody ever run into a, uh, into a resource giant, financial giant? You had too much vision, not enough money. If you ever dream anything big, it's gonna be that way. We've had that for 31 years. <laughs> there's always provision where there's vision, but it takes a while to catch up. Anybody ever had critical giants? Anybody been critical of you? You had an idea and they said, are you kidding me, who are you? Boy, I've had that. I, I can remember from the very beginning, um, I wanted to name the, the church Seacoast. Why Seacoast? Because I wanted it to sound like someplace nice. This is someplace you'd like to go. Like, I mean, not that first this or second this or whatever. I wanted someplace nice. So I said Seacoast. I remember one of the early guys in the, in the thing said, that's the dumbest name I've ever heard. That sounds like milk toast to me. I wouldn't go to a church called Milk Toast. I said, don't come to ours because it's Seacoast. That's what it's gonna be. I was a little arrogant, but it's all right. Yeah, uh, I can remember when we started want to start in Mount Pleasant. A denominational official, a denomination I was a part of said, don't need another church in Mount Pleasant. Really. They didn't read the growth charts, I guess. Uh, I remember when we did multi-site. Are you kidding me? Who in the world would do that? What kind of ego would want their picture on screens in other places? It had nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. But critics, 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 critics. And you know what? Um, critics are okay. Uh, under certain circumstances. You, you'll never make progress unless you have accurate feedback. Would you agree with that? 
You can be in an ivory tower and not listen to anything. And so at Seacoast, the way we practice it is if like sometimes people will write things on, on a card and send it in. And if you put your name on it, we'll talk to you about it because you might have a better idea. If you don't put your name on it, we put it in the circular file, okay? Or we put it on a, uh, on a bulletin board. Here's one of those. This, this was fun. This was on an offering envelope, which really ticked me off. What a poor use of an offering envelope. And this person says, my first time here, the preacher had a good message. However, love those howevers, he needs an extreme makeover. <laughs> yeah. It is difficult to listen to anyone who keeps their hands in their pockets constantly. <laughs> Take some speech classes, exclamation point. A farmer shirt with tacky jeans, what a disappointment, no respect, no thanks. Well, I thought that was kind of funny. I really did, I thought, I thought who would take the time to write that, you know? Critics, critics, you have critic, critic giants, you have all kinds of giants. You've got uh, discouragement giants and scheduling giants and all between you and your destiny. So, four levels of faith, and we see these, we see at least three of them in Caleb, and I'll give you one more. The first one is God is, God is. That's where you start out, God is, God is. You go from being a skeptic, I don't know if God is, or an atheist, God doesn't exist. At some point, faith begins with God is, God is. Uh, Hebrews says that if you wanna please God, you've gotta believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So God is and God is good. I remember when that happened for me. I remember I, remember I grew up in a, in a Christian home and, and all that, but at some point, I'd have my own faith. I remember in college, there were a lot of people that said, you know, faith is ridiculous. How can you believe in a fairy tale of a God, a creator, and all of this? And so I, I studied it for myself. And let me tell you what did it for me. Different things do it for different people, but it's when I, I, I love being in nature. Is there anybody else that just nature really does it for you? I love being in nature. And I would look at nature and I would go, you know what? It's a bigger leap of faith for me to believe that something like an eye, the human eye, or the nature that I see out there just randomly came to be. That's a bigger leap for me than to believe that there's a designer behind the design. And whether that designer did it like this or whether that designer just spoke it into being and it gradually happened over time, I don't care. I'm not gonna argue with you about that. All I know is that there is a designer. And when I, when I, when I settled that, I said, God is. And some of you need to do that today. Some of you need to come to a point where you say, you know what? God is, that's the beginning ground level of faith. And when you do that, you become baptized. That's the next step of faith. And we're gonna have an opportunity to do that today at all of our campuses. God is, God is. Here's the second level of faith. And I believe Caleb had that. He talks about God, he, he references God. God can, God can. That's the second level of faith. Caleb says, I believe that God can do this, all right? And I think... Just about every believer in this place or, or who's uh, watching wherever you happen to be, you're in that category. God can save. God can heal. God can provide. God can. Okay, that's a, that's a level beyond God is, all right? Here's the third level. God will. That's a bigger step. That's where Caleb was. 
Caleb says, you know what? God will be on my side, we'll do this. I believe God will. That's when you take steps of faith. God will, God will. We'll talk about how you, how you go from one to another in just a minute, but that's three levels. Now there's four levels, I believe, of faith, and we, and we see the next one in three uh, Jewish guys who are in Babylonian captivity at that particular point, and their worship is limited. And don't ever forget, this is a great country to live in, whether, who, regardless of who's in charge. It's a great country, all right? And we, and we get, we get uh, so hung up on all the stuff that goes on, we sometimes forget what a wonderful opportunity we have to be open in our worship. You know, we've planted churches in other countries. China's one of them. And I read the other day in uh, Wall Street Journal, I also saw it uh, uh, in the New York Times, a picture of of one of my friends in China who we have helped his church. I've preached in his church and the Chinese government shut his church down. Shut his church down. You need to remember that. When you read the newspaper and read about all that kind of stuff, there is persecution going on tremendously, okay? And we have an opportunity to worship God freely. Well, these, these three guys, they said, not only can you not worship, but we're gonna burn you alive if you insist on worshiping your God. Here's what they say. If we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the God we serve, God is, right? God is, first level. Is what? Able. God can. You see that? God can. To deliver us from it. And what is it? He will. That's that third level. God will deliver us from your majesty's hands. And in fact, he did. He did. But here's the fourth level. But even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. What's the third level or fourth level? It's even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't. I wanna talk to you about that just for a second because we've seen God do some incredible things here. I don't know how long it'll last. I'm not God, God is. What we're gonna do is we're just gonna invite him uh, every service we've seen somebody healed and we're just gonna invite him to do whatever he does. But there are people that don't get healed. In fact, I have a very good friend that just texted me moments ago and said, this is really hard for me. My loved one who I love so much and prayed so much and I believed that God could and he didn't and I've got a crisis of faith there. Can I tell you this? God heals everybody. God either heals through medicine, God heals through miracles or God heals through heaven. And don't ever forget that. And we try to control what, what God does. I believe, you don't start with this one. I know a lot of people say, well, I don't know if God heals and I'm okay with it. It's a, start with, hey, God can and I believe that he will. And if it doesn't come for you in this life, trust me, listen, when I die and you come to my funeral, I hope some of you do, it's gonna be a sad day for you, but it's the best day of my life. And don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. All the medals aren't passed out here. And, and the, the highest level of faith is to say, you know what? I believe God is. I believe he can. I trust that he will. But if he doesn't, doesn't matter. I'm gonna trust him and serve him because he has a better plan. That's a great place to say amen. amen. Maybe a little applause would be good. Come on. <laughs> If you don't do it, I'll, I'll bring my own, okay? So, so here we go. How do you build your faith from one to the other? And I wanna just give you this and we'll, we'll be done. How do you build your faith? How does faith grow? How do you go from level one, two, three to four? Faith is built by what we hear. 
Bible says uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's why stories are so important. Uh, man, you need to tell, if you've been healed recently, you need to tell your story. We want to hear your story because other people are encouraged by your, it lifts a level of faith. Would you agree? When you hear somebody got touched, somebody, somebody had a breakthrough in an area, faith builds by hearing. Faith builds by what we see. That's even bigger, right? There, there were some folks that maybe didn't know whether God worked in that way or not. And right here on this stage, they saw one of our worship leaders' feet reformed as they prayed. It took their faith up another level because by, by what you see. Here's a big one. Faith is built by what we say. Faith can be taken away by what we say, and it's built by what we say. The Bible says there is power of life and death in our words. And sometimes in, in the faith area, you've gotta say it before you believe it. And then you gotta say it until you do believe it. That's part of what we do with worship. I was in worship today and one of the songs we were singing, I, I wish I could remember what the words were right now, but I thought it at the time. There are people in this room that do not have that level of faith yet for what that worship song is saying. However, as they begin to say it, as they begin to, to, to see it, they're gonna begin to believe it. One of my favorite songs that they've written recently, I have all, new favorites all the time, is I'm gonna praise before my breakthrough, which says I'm gonna believe, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it before I see it. And then here's the last one. Faith is built by what we do, what we do. You, you, you take a step of faith. You begin to, to do something. Caleb says, I'm gonna take this mountain. I believe I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a fresh mountain. How do you know you're never too old to take a new mountain? Never too old. This church has been built for 31 years on people that were willing to take a new mountain, take a fresh mountain. I, I think of Byron Davis who was the CEO of Fisher-Price Toys. Anybody have any Fisher-Price Toys? Some of his toys irritated the fool out of me. They're loud, that lawnmower that pops and all that kind of stuff. I actually gave one to my brother when he first had kids just for spite at Christmas. And I think Byron, that was one of his biggest innovations at Fisher Price. Well, he retired, came here, golfed and fished for two years, and then came to talk to me and he said, I think God has more for me than golfing and fishing. Well, I think that's pretty good to golf and fish, but he does have a plan. And so Byron, for free, just came to work for us and basically created the systems of multi-site that people use all over the world. And he would tell you today that everything he learned in the corporate world was for that life-changing moment. It was all good, but it built towards something else. Uh, I think of, uh, um, who do I think of? I've got it written down. Bill Hahn. Bill Hahn was a banker, president of a bank, took an early retirement to come to work here, felt like wanted to make a difference here. He was making a difference in the banking world, but he wanted to make a difference. Guess when he came to work for us? I think it was about 2006, 2007. He shepherded us through the worst economic time that our country has had since the Great Depression. Was that an accident? It's great to have a banker on board when it's a money situation. How do you know that? On and on and on, lots and lots of people. I think of Carol Etheridge, who is at the West Campus, who is the HR person for a major, major uh, hotel chain. And uh, she gives up time every week just to be on our trustee board because she wants it done right here. She wants to serve here. Uh, Fred and Terry Reed, who got saved here and recommitted their lives to Christ. Marriage was in a mess. 
God healed it. And they said, you know what we're gonna do? We've created businesses. We'll keep doing that, but we're gonna create a brand new marriage ministry to help people like us. People who are willing to take the next mountain. Let me tell you what, you're never too old and it's never too late to take a mountain. God wants us to re-dig the wells of expectation. How many of you know that? How many of you know that when the music plays, it's time to uh, stop, okay? So, here's what I know. Listen very carefully. I know that it's possible to expect too little from God, but it's impossible to expect too much from God. Did you hear me? It's possible that you'll expect too little, but God can do immeasurably more than all that you could ask. So why not ask? Why not ask? By his grace, you can be and have and accomplish more than you ever imagined. What's the lid for you? You can expect greater things from a God when you attempt greater things for a God. So we're about to end up 31 years here. And here's what I know. One of the wells that we need to redig is expectation, although there's a level of expectation here that's incredible. But I know this, the best is yet to come. <laughs> the best is yet to come. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your kingdom. I thank you for your power. I thank you for how you work among us. We give you glory for that. There are things that only you can do. Only you can bring a hundredfold return in a famine. Only you can do that. Only you can heal a body. Only you can bring a breakthrough in our lives. Only you. And now we anticipate you working among us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.